There is a form of multimedia entertainment beyond that which is good. These games are as vast in number as they are terrible. They dwell in the dark recesses of history, unearthed from the pits of the bargain bin. These are the games of horror. This is Garbage Game Night. Welcome to Garbage Game Night, the podcast where we gather in the darkness and decide the fate of games from the shadows like complete sociopaths. Games that are permanently on sale and forgotten because so many others did better. But on a second glance, is there something worth saving, or will we mercilessly slit its throat with another bad review and we're left to wonder, what was it all for? Is this segment foreshadowing the game we're about to play? Probably, I I don't know, stick around and find (laughs) out. But first, let me introduce the panel we have here tonight. First and most importantly, Tom, how are you tonight? Oh, wow. wow. Most importantly? (laughs) Yeah. You know, that is insulting to my peers. Since when do you care? I am. <laughs> oh, okay. See, it's the thing. I was trying. Here I was. I was trying to like. You know what? I'm not going to go for the point. This is worse to... pandering than Chris. Uh, it's worse. Pan- <laughs> All right. Fine. I am wow. the best. Everyone. Can <laughs> I'm doing. Tom right. number Glad one. Glad to hear it. <laughs> um, and second, Hunter. Just as importantly, I was going to say, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well. You said how are you most doing? Important. How can it be most important and then just it's a tie. You it's ranked a tie, tie. us, so Frank is the <laughs> subpar one? You got so fussy is... last week about I said least, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> last and most certainly least, Frank. <laughs> hey. Frank, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> there he is. You're good, just good? All right. Yeah, because All he right, just well. sucks. <laughs> Frank, also importantly, how are oh, you? <laughs> thanks, guys. I really appreciate it Sure. Now. Yeah. Doing all right? You sound, sound a little low, or was it just because I, I named you last? He sounds a little low oh, to me. Oh, fine. Oh, there get over it. Not like low volume, just like low energy, low, yeah, low no, emotionally. Yeah, no, fine, guys. I'm, no, I'm fine. All right. Yeah. Good. Oh, well, everything's great. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm doing fine, too. Not that anyone asked. We'll just go I ahead did, and add negative actually, one points to everyone. Oh, did you? Did, okay. I all right. Point for you Hunter. You can check right. the uh, <laughs> recording. Okay. Just Tom well, was too busy to talking about himself. My favorite topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, glad to have you guys here with me this evening. As always, let's touch base on the last thing that we did. Last game we played was Road Rage, a game that teased shotguns and buster swords and still wouldn't give them to you after four hours of playing and completing the game. Is there any follow-up thoughts you guys had on that? Anything you guys wanted to interject? Frank, did you uh, play any more Road Redemption? Yeah, a little bit, and it was yeah. still fun. So. All right. Pretty all right. I did forget to mention something that was pretty important to me. The most iconic weapon of Road Rash. What would you guys say? The chain? The 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 chain whip, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So there was a chain in Road Rage, and I forgot to show you guys what it looked like. I'm not sure the right term, but there weren't individual links for the chain in the physics engine. So it was a solid object that was sort of like S-shaped, like the links were welded together. So you were just smacking them with this uh, solid object. It was was disappointing, like the rest of the game. So, uh, yeah, with that. So it fits. We can, yeah, yeah, no, it was appropriate for the game. With that, I think we can leave Road Rage behind us. All right, but some podcast update here. Uh, Here we are live on Twitch. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you follow us on Twitch, you'll be able to see when we go live. That really helps us out so people can discover the stream and the podcast and occasionally play some good games, too. We're still, me and Tom are still playing uh, Divinity 2, and I've become a pro Fall Guys streamer. So, yeah, you can can check that out. I don't don't have have a crown yet. yet. Shut up. But um, (laughs) I was getting to that. How close have you gotten? As I was saying on the stream, it's not about 
that I'm good at it. It's just that that's what I do professionally now. That's what makes me a profile guy streamer. I, I like mean, I've definitely 10? been second before. Oh yeah, oh, no, okay. definitely. Yeah, you know, I've been to the final level multiple times. It's just right through my little jelly bean fingers. I just can't quite grab it. <laughs> what are you dressed uh, as? Right now I am a banana juice can on the bottom and a ninja on the top. So I'm oh. a banana ninja. That's that's the winning strat. I, I saw think, a hot dog. Banana ninja. You saw a hot dog? I saw yeah. a hot you dog say, You say winning strategy, but you, you haven't won. I haven't haven't really tested that that costume out. Um, feeling a it's lot of harsh vibes strategy. from you right now. It's just a strategy, <laughs> right? But it's anyway, really we're here to play it's, a bad game, not yeah. the best game created in 2020, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, you can you can follow us at Twitch.tv/gggncast to uh, find us when we're streaming on there, and you can find the link on our website as well at garbagegamenight.com. Um, all right, so what we're here, what we're gathered together today to discuss this evening is. Stealth missions. Do you guys like them? Hate them? Do you play stealthy games at all? What I've asked everyone... uh, I play games stealthily. Even when they're not stealth games. In the dark, in the corner (laughs) of my room. In the secret. With a little blanket over my head. (laughs) Everyone, uh, I've asked them to bring forth an offering of their most memorable stealth kill in a game. Or if not one kill in particular, a a mechanic uh, that you've enjoyed out of a stealth game. So, uh, anyone would like to go first? Uh, I'll go first, but only because I think mine's going to be the least interesting. Um, oh, okay. This is why you set yourself up for failure. You always do why this. You're you always, the you least. It. <laughs> we gave you the chance to be the best this time, <laughs> and you consistently go ahead. What you got, Tom? I don't do, well, I, I'm going to go grab a bite to eat. I don't. Think and, it's uh, going to be long. It's just going to be not that exciting. Boring. Um, Okay, I'll try to spice it up. I I like to uh, set the expectation low and then and then go above it, not not the opposite. So um, so get ready for this pile of crap. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere to go but up. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm not much of a stealth uh, game person. Uh, I don't. I I actually don't have anything against it. Um, I just it's just something I never really got into that much. But I played the absolute hell out of uh, Metal Gear Solid, and hmm. I remember I just like I just had Which really one? fun. Like the series as a whole, or, or? No, yeah, I did play the series um, almost as a whole. I haven't played the latest like two games, but like Metal Gear Solid yeah. one and two. But like just that first scene when you're showing up, you're outside in the cold. And you're just kind of being introduced to like, like you got those guards going around. You have like the cone, like of cone of vision that they can see. And yep. I don't know, man. I just like, I remember thoroughly enjoying that game. And like, just, yep. I, I just think it was, it was a ton of fun. And even the stuff that like was silly about that, that is, I feel like almost never been perfected. Like the fact that you could, you know, go up and grab someone and like choke them repeatedly. And the animation sounds for that would literally, if you're, it would be as you're tapping the button. So they'd be like, "Eh," and then like, (laughs) and then you'd, it'd be like a crack and they're dead. And like a friend of theirs seemingly would find them and be like, Oh no, on high alert. And then like 10 minutes later in, you know, in their time, not worried about it anymore. (laughs) I just be like, "Eh." (laughs) back to normal. (laughs) Guess he choked himself out. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I don't know. Just I, I, I don't know. I, I like I said I can't go like so far into. It. I just loved that game, and I, I was younger, and I remember. I don't know if it was in Metal Gear Solid One or Two, but there's a scene later on where he's getting like tortured in this like 
device, you know, that's one. one or two. Yeah. That's and one. I remember being like smashing the X button like as hard as I could and then be like tossing the controller to my friend when my like wrist came <laughs> out. And that's, yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Like, I, it's that's my first and really only like good stealth experience, but it, it's got a, a fuzzy place in my heart. Very good. I like it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Metal Gear Solid myself. I, I didn't really get into I, I played the first one, but didn't really get into it until two Sons of Liberty, which I can't see the title of without thinking of tons of liberty now. <laughs> it's it's so you, nonsensical patriotic and your dad you is the president. Or <laughs> Yeah. Alright, Hunter, what do you think? What's um, your what's your favorite stealth? So I went like stealth kills, they come and go. I went I guess I guess more for a mechanic. Like I I can talk about like specific stealth kills. Like I get I I really like playing stealth games and playing games that aren't stealth in a stealthy manner. And one of my favorite things that I had done a little more recently within the past like four or five years is I did a conjure assassin build on Skyrim. And the idea behind it and what I really enjoyed about it was less like I mean because they have they have like stealth kills or stealth kill animations where you come up behind him and stab him in the throat and whatever. But right. what was really fun for me was all the weapons were conjured and the role play that I did was basically like I could never be caught because I never had the weapon on me because it would literally you know you conjure it you stab somebody and then it's gone. And there's no oh, okay. there's no evidence there's no <laughs> anything about it. And I I thought that was really fun yeah, and I, I really cool enjoyed that, that, that way yeah. type of play and like i i have a hard time like doing the role play aspect of role playing games because i get so into like the builds and all that but that one i felt like the role play fit the build so That's i was like cool. running around like i'd kill somebody and then you know i'd turn around and be like, i didn't i don't have a weapon search <laughs> me guard but, yeah it's uh, cool i like that um and frank how about you, Frank? So, you know, I've played a decent amount of games that involve stealth, you know, and stealth kills. And really, for me, uh, stealth kills, that was like a big, easy way for me to uh, take out people. In, uh, <laughs> so most... Taking out some repressed <laughs> emotions? No, yeah. no, uh, <laughs> no, most of like uh, Elder Scrolls games, like uh, Hunter was talking about. Uh, yeah. You know, it was just easier to, if you got the one up on somebody, uh, especially right. in uh, Morrowind. That's the one I played. The oh most yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was this god awful gameplay when you compare it to the newer stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's still like the best in the series. It, it, it was a lot like... of fun, a lot of but man, sometimes those fights would take literal forever. It would just it would just be, just be <laughs> whacking away all day long at the stupid thing. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, but for me, and this is more of a a recent thing, uh, okay. I'm gonna have to say <laughs> the stealth kills in uh, Rambo. I'm just gonna have to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because, wow. Uh, because I, I I think about them every day, and I don't know why, but I do. But you said you play wow. it every day. <laughs> no, no, in my in, in my brain, it's. <laughs> you just replay them over and over yeah. again. Every now and then, I just think about it and just stealth, you just stealth kill a cop by stabbing him in the chest. <laughs> You're just like, wow, man, that was a little. Didn't you go a little too far there? Like you went a little too far. <laughs> was wow. it Rambo uh, yeah. or what was that other game that we played that was based off of that guy? Rogue Warrior. That, that also had, had a lot really of great, great stealth kills. Rick sends his regards. Stealth yeah. animations in general, though, are like <laughs> some of the cool. Like I don't know, it goes from something as simple to like the early Assassin's Creed stuff. That was like some of the t- 
tightest stealth kill animation, though. Well, for me, I, I thought surely someone else would mention this, but I went with a lot more of a cliche answer to this, I guess. I go to Hitman. Wow. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's wow. multiple so like cliche. memorable uh, Like a sandbox levels. stealth assassin. Yeah, exactly. There's multiple like memories of levels that I have, um, but in Blood Money, there's one mission where you go to an opera recital, and there's tons of NPCs mm-hmm. just kind of wandering around the level, at least 50, 50 or more of them, um, and it's just a huge explorable area, multiple ways to kill. It might be one or two guys that you're trying to kill in that one. I think there's a way to drop the chandelier. Onto the stage. Onto the stage, or and but the, the one that I liked the most was you were able to sneak into one of the actors dressing rooms swap out their prop gun for the uh for the scene that they're reciting with a real gun so that you have someone else do the execution for you and uh no one realizes it for a little while and there's also this point where like the music crescendos so it's so loud that you're able to fire uh, off a gun without a silencer and no one even detects it it's just there, there's so many different ways to play that level it just that that's my go-to well let me uh, let me set the scene here for you guys. What what would everyone say is probably the most common backdrop for a game, as far as like the setting for it? Uh, military. Wikipedia war? has a few categorizations war? of pages. So let's talk about war. Yeah, wars. War is one that they break down. Oh, World War. Oh, II. World War Two. For for wars, at least on their categorization, and they're not prob- they're not a hundred percent. They haven't categorized every single game, but they they're pretty thorough. So they list for Crusades, for example. 13 uh, games based on the Crusades, which in my opinion is just a tricky topic in general. Uh, For the Gulf War, they do 17 games. For the Civil War, 36. For Vietnam, 38. For how many guys you guess for World War I? 47. 50. Wow, all over the place. All right, Frank closest with uh, 60 for World War I. Nice. For World War II, how many games do you think that Wikipedia has tracked here? 300. Yeah, I was going to guess, in, but I'll, I'll split it, 250. <laughs> Congratulations. Tom, 256 games wow. based on World War II. So, clearly the most thoroughly done category is World War II. In fact, we've actually done a World War II game here on our podcast. The very first one was yeah. The Outfit. So if you're going to make a World War II game, uh, setting game, it has to be pretty unique, right? Market was kind of saturated at this time with games about just blowing up Nazis, winning the the taking of Berlin and redoing famous battles. But what if instead you took some, some notes from Tom's favorite Metal Gear Solid and Splinter Cell, if it was inspired by a real-life spy who was <gasps> a woman? Well, Ooh. what could go wrong? What? So, game we are playing this evening is Velvet Assassin. There it is. Ooh. Cover there. This is a game that came out in 2009. Ooh, rating pending? Uh, I, I don't know if I can play this. I have to determine someone to play the game this evening. I like that they've already started hmm. with the... Uh, let's just show her from the back so you can see her butt. <laughs> the most important part of her, right? That's, uh, that's, so, that's box what she art look design. Like this is what the people other that have been like <laughs> shot and are dying see as she's walking away from their... There you go. Yeah, I think we're going to have to toss this over to the person who seems like uh, loves stealth the most out of everyone. Hunter, I'm going to send you uh, this code right here. I think that's and, uh, a good oh, here choice. we go. 
First news we have about this game is that Replay Studios has retitled a working project to Velvet Assassin in an attempt to give it a less trite, overused, generic title. They announced it was coming for PC and next-generation consoles, and it would have a surrealism aesthetic. An early impression from E3 2008 by GameSpot's Chris Waters said that the attention to historical detail was surely one of the most impressive elements of this early build. In GameSpot's next update, Sean McInnes notes Replay Studios may be a relatively small operation, but it has a few big challenges laying ahead of it. Besides the potential for uneasiness that goes along with being a German developer creating a World War II game, (laughs) this Hamburg-based studio has set out to do something unique with a timeline that's dominated by first-person shooters. And men. Yes. Velvet Assassin is a game that's more Splinter Cell than Call of Duty. Rather than plowing through Nazis like a one-man tank, you'll be assuming the role of a female spy, Violet Summers, as you sneak through the shadows and take out soldiers with swift but deadly stealth skills. And when this game is released, we have this copy from the back of the box. Velvet Assassin is a third-person stealth shooter set during World War II and inspired by real-life secret agent Violet Sabot. The player assumes the role of the fictional secret agent Violet Summers. While she's in a coma at a military hospital recovering from an injury, the player plays through the memories of her former missions behind German enemy lines. Many different types of stealth kills can be performed based on the weapons Violet is currently wielding. There are collectibles hidden throughout the levels that give experience upon discovery, which can be used to boost player abilities gentlemen did you know this game existed i did not i did not it sounds so familiar to me maybe something you saw at blockbuster once maybe or at the game store (laughs) Uh, how's the pitch for it sound A, a stealth metal gear solid splinter cell inspired game in world war ii and the pitch as always sounds good (laughs) <laughs> but you know that there's something well, amiss because yeah. <laughs> here we are playing Garbage Game Night. <laughs> It'd be funny if pitches did what I try to do, like to set the expectations low. They were like, hey, listen. <laughs> it's probably not going to be didn't have a lot good. of time. <laughs> yeah. A German company trying to do a World War II game. Yeah. Doing some sort of sexploitation, we obviously. We didn't render the front half of her body, so... Just... It's it's weirdly <laughs> sympathetic to the German side. <laughs> there was that weird sympathy in the outfield with uh, <laughs> outfield. the out, out, <laughs> the out, <laughs> Fallout. Yeah, three Fallout. Yep. <laughs> Any particular things you guys are hoping for out of this? Stealth kills. Kills. You want to see lots I of stealth see, kills. I want to see very good, very crisp, clean stealth kills. I want to see X-ray bullets like Sniper Elite. I think. I think for me, the the hallmark of a really good stealth game is the enemy AI. You know, just like sure. How are they going to react to what you're doing? Like, and and because uh, that's where like the tinkering gets fun and like with what hitman does really well you know mm-hmm. when you're going mm-hmm. through and i i saw this thing on hitman where they were talking about like how they create it where there's like all different zones whether it be like okay like public areas to like mi- like a middle level area to like a high security area and like the ai acts differently and has different rules for each area like it's just right well it's it's cool when you get to like it's play, really you know it's really awful when you kill somebody their friend runs over sees that they're dead and then just goes back to his post and is like oh well i feel like panics for 10 minutes and then uh goes not back even to 10 minutes yeah. it's like 10 seconds i think <laughs> far cry has that problem yeah. i'll say even 
and I still I still love the game, but Ghost of Tsushima does that a little bit. Like if you oh, really? and you even have ways that like reduce the amount of time that they look for you. And I'm like, yeah, like you you're, you're <laughs> How trying is that an to, ability that you would have. Yeah, <laughs> you're trying to take over a country, yeah. and you see like oh someone's killing all of our men, but you know I've really got to stand <laughs> in front of this fire over here, just kind of hang right. out. And 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 I get I mean I get the idea of like if people acted realistically you come up on your friend you guys are on a guard duty together you're like all right i'll see you in a few minutes you come back around next time he's just like dead in a pool of his own blood like your reaction would be to like not only flip out but like you'd get you'd alert the entire base everything would be on lockdown and it would last like the entire day that's what it would be (laughs) we need the dark souls of assassins games where once you screw up you have to either restart (laughs) completely all right well we'll see if we can do that this evening but no promises (laughs) all right so as usual we do have a reward this evening and as it is a spy game i thought the reward would come from the most famous spy in video game history what do you guys think oh i thought you would have hidden them in our respective homes yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's actually in the winner's Is neck. Gex. Did you say Gex, Frank? Yeah. <laughs> the spy? The gecko spy, yeah. yeah. No, uh, it's not Gex. That's a great idea, though. No. I thought surely someone was going to say James Bond, but no, it is a spy so famous in video games. His name is The Spy. So from Team Fortress 2, this is The Spy's Switchblade, which I'm uploading to our Discord right now, and I'm holding up for our camera right here. Are you allowed to have have one of those? uh, You are not allowed to have a balisong, but you can 3D print one when it's made of plastic. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) As long as... But it's, yeah, it's it's actually foldable and... uh, Wow, that's the most intricate... All right, and everyone in chat, I'm trying something new this evening. You will have the opportunity this evening to get a copy of Velvet Assassin. (laughs) I have uh, set the giveaway bot off at some point, so it'll randomly pick someone in chat to, to give a code to. All right. So we'll just let you play for a little bit and uh, just watch things as they develop. This guy is sneak up on your enemies from behind. I like this uh, little knife aiming mode. <laughs> yeah, the uh, so pick psycho. up body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as we mentioned, Violet is uh, laying in a hospital bed and she seems to be narrating past missions. She said this was her first mission. And she's headed to a fuel depot to try and destroy it. Are you? I guess you're trying to find a, a suitable grave for him. Give him an honorable I burial. I was, and then I just <laughs> was trying to see how far I could take him. That it keeps cutting back to her in, in like a negligee in the I hospital. I really hate is... this, uh, like click to jump is weird instead of like space. Oh bomb. yeah. Also, the to go into your um, psycho mode where you're carrying the knife like that over your shoulder, it's just like a tap and it's a mode that you go into. It's not like you're holding it down like you're aiming, which also feels pretty weird. The animations for crawling as well as going up a ladder, you probably noticed, are pretty weird. It's like you click it to go into it and then it's like the ladder, it shows you like uh, for a second climbing up the ladder, you don't have to do anything and then it just cuts away from it. Some shiny stuff to pick up. To so what's the syringe next to him in the bottom left corner there? Oh, is well, that what you're here about we go. to pick up? I think oh, you're time. about to find out. So she says, I could use the morphine here to increase my chances. F wow. is to use morphine. They describe it as freezing difficult situations temporarily. While in morphine mode, you can try and hide yourself or bring down a tough enemy even from the front. Other actions are not possible in morphine mode. Wow, sounds like you have a real problem. What? Here we go. Wait, 
What? Here we go. <laughs> so she entered morphine mode they won't be doing to attack that guy. To anyone ever again. And thoughts. And, and in that mode, she is. I lost in a all state my clothes. Undress. She is in her negligee again, her hospital gown. She's kind of got blood oh. splatters all over her. Yeah. All right. Can I can I take a stab at this? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the obvious thing, and then I'm gonna try to make a guess. Okay. The obvious thing being here that the it's a female protagonist, so at any time they have an opportunity to take their clothes off, they're gonna do it in a video game because right. that's what they did. But right. I'm gonna guess that the explanation of this being that you know these are difficult, right? Like what they went through is like difficult, and she's remembering what happened that. Basically, when she uses these morphine moments, like in difficult times, and obviously the mm-hmm. connection between morphine and pain, that the idea mm-hmm. is it's almost she's blocked out the memory of what she did to get through mm-hmm. that particularly difficult thing. And so what we're seeing here is a cut to her in like the hospital and it's like her being resistant to being like oh okay this is what I had to commit you know what atrocity I had to do in order to right. uh, you know accomplish that goal that sure. is, or she's I, just I, a I like your explanation that's my that's what I'd say if I was like the exec and you were like why do you put her in negligee I'd be like actually shame and you on were in you. the marketing but meeting and you had to right. explain away that choice yeah that's no that's, that's a good explanation I like that We'll uh, we'll keep watching and we'll we'll get into the official explanation eventually. Oh, is it? Um, there is an official explanation. That's good. I didn't realize it until I was almost done researching the game. But yes, the developer of this game is Replay Studios GmbH. We've seen a company before with GmbH in the name. Uh, any guesses what a GmbH is? Yeah, I don't know. Nothing. I can't, okay. I can't well, remember it's that. A, it's a Geschelschaft mit Beschwankter Haftung. Uh, so, you know, it's a limited liability company in German uh, corporate law. So it's only going to get harder from here, guys. You, you guys need to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, company that had a GmbH in its name before was Astragon Entertainment. You remember what they made? Nope. German company? Rogue? Hints? Rogue? Rogue Warrior? No. No, nope, it was a German company. German people love these things, apparently. Mm, the Autobahn. Ooh, nope. Uh, they That's a great guess, but no, it was uh, Bus Simulator 2012. Uh, oh, same episode, yes. but different same game. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. So this company, uh, Replay Studios, was founded by two people credited with creating this game, Mark Moring and Sasha Junnickel in Hamburg, Germany. Their first released game was a destruction and stunt-focused game titled... No, it was Crash Day. It was not flat out. Um, they would shut down shortly after publishing this game. But Sasha June Nickel had worked previously on Hitman Blood Money, which I mentioned, and one of the programmers, Tobias Secrets, has also programming credits on Max Payne 1 and 2, as well as Hitman 2, and one for my wife, Matea, and Tom's wife, Grace. He did the programming on Nancy Drew Midnight in Salem, one of the highest rated Nancy Drew games. <laughs> I own more Nancy Drew games than do any, uh, actually, all of the uh, games combined have <laughs> <It's laughs> the most how many do you, that you have? have? Every single one <laughs> that existed. There are a couple that just have like horrific reviews, and she uh, avoided those. But I, she bought like all of them, and she plays them like like four of them at a time. 
Like with with like different girlfriends that come over. It's weird. Like she'll have like girlfriends come over like just for like a Nancy Drew night, and they'll just drink wine and <laughs> solving a mystery. Why not? <laughs> this game was also published by South Peak Interactive Ltd. They've published such games as My Baby Boy. Uh, a Nintendo game for DS in which you bathe, bottle feed, change diapers. But as the box says, what a joy when you see your baby smile. Uh, they, of course, <laughs> along with that, released My Baby Girl, a game that surprisingly has you slitting the throats of Nazi. No, they, they don't. Uh, they <laughs> oh, they I also you were published. Say of babies. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nazis, I was going to say. Stupid babies. I was, like, oh, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Holy so... shit, what a turn. Uh, <gasps> that company, South Peak Interactive, also published X Blades, a 360 hack and slash game, Section 8, uh, another game on 360, and then a few games like Fast Food Panic and Hotel Giant. I gotta be honest, other than the little negligee bits, so far, this seems kind of cool. You're like looking through right. keyholes and the sneaking around doesn't seem too bad. Do, do you agree, Hunter, or is it worse? Yeah, it just, it's not really telling me where to go, so I'm just kind of exploring, but no, it's 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 pretty cool so far. And the, the, the morphine thing, like, I don't know. I can't tell if it seems a little overpowered. So you're sneaking through a German bunker right now. The first time you used your morphine ability, you ran straight at a guy and time kind of froze. It was essentially like a bullet time, right? You just stabbed him in the face. Now you're sneaking through a bunker and they just introduced a mechanic where sometimes there's glass on the ground so you Ooh. make more noise while walking around than normal. I actually now, just you found turned a, a radio, radio that you could turn yeah. off. Yeah. And he, it, does he stop to fix it? Yeah, it looks like he might have. Yeah, he went back to turn it nice. back on. So I stabbed him in the All back. Right, and you snuck up behind him and stabbed him in the neck because you really hate that song. <laughs> All right. Well, for some context of the games that were coming out around this time, the top rated games of 2009 were Uncharted 2, Fallout 3, Little Big Planet, Game of the Year edition, and Street Fighter 4, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Uh, I saw you break stealth to kill that guy. Yeah, you That's know. That's a thing you can do sometimes. Sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you got to do it. <laughs> Braid came out in 2009, Minecraft, Arkham Asylum, Assassin's Creed 2, Bayonetta, Beatles Rock Band, Demon Souls, Guitar Hero 4, Shadow Complex, Left 4 Dead 2, Plants vs. Zombies, and Fight Night Round 4 were the top-rated games of that year. Shadow Complex is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a little, little stealthy in that game. Yeah, 2D, that was a 2D game, right? Yep, yep. So Hunter, now that you're playing it, played it a little bit. How does the how do the controls of it feel so far? They're not bad. It's pretty standard stuff. I think it's still weird that like spacebar is a whistle. I think that's a little strange that like you you click to do certain things. Some 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 things feel like toggles when they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, is, like you know. I have to hold down control to sneak. That should just be a toggle, especially if like aim is going to be a toggle. Does it, do you have to find more morphine or? Yeah, I does... found morphine several times now. Gas it mask. is pretty limited. So if and you I guess... spam it, you'll run out. Yeah, but correct. Like, it is a one-time use. You can only hold one. You can only do so much morphine before it has negative effects on you, Tom. I don't know if you know That's that. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the developer uh, Replay Studios in July of 2006, three years before this came out. They announced a game they were working on called Sabotage, but they announced a delivery date. Uh, the delivery date came and went without news. Uh, then a publisher named Gamecock Media purchased the rights for Sabotage, and in that three-year span of time, they changed the story, changed quite a bit, and shifted the focus to be inspired by the real-life spy Violet Zabo. Articles discussing this mentioned that there was a very similar game coming out at the same time called The Saboteur. 
by Pandemic Studios, published by EA. That game is about a hard-drinking Irish race car mechanic in German-occupied <laughs> France. He gets in a feud with a driver and ends up getting roped into a resistance group and, wouldn't you know it, becoming a saboteur of German operations in France. Uh, the Find gameplay in that for is every time kinda, that happened. <laughs> the gameplay in the saboteur is open world action adventure. And it was pretty well received, and um, I, I missed playing it, but it uh, looked, looked pretty interesting. Looked like it had a good aesthetic to it, at least. But I think this kind of has a pretty cool aesthetic too. Yeah, they have some musical cues there. When uh... oh wow, that's interesting. He's looking out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Good stealth kill. That's that's probably the way that they designed the level. You know. So he comes up to the window and you stab him in the back. Stabbing Nazis. So let's talk about some similar games this may remind you of from an article that came out last week, actually, on culturedvultures.com by Jimmy Donilon. He lists a few of the most popular or best stealth games that were ever made. According to him, I disagree on many points, but um, we'll, <laughs> Jimmy, we'll, we'll use it as a conversation screen. point. Jimmy, you can get your shit together, Jimmy. You can't At 21, stealth he kill lists, somebody from the front. No, if they the see way. you, there's not a stealth kill option. You just got to stab him. Oh, he used a shotgun on you. Wow. Yeah. All right. At 21, a game uh, that rode a wave of controversy, Manhunt. Uh, it had a pretty solid stealth system from what I remember. It kind of did single player Dead by Daylight about 15 years before Dead by Daylight. They list Sekiro Shadows Die Twice because of its great stealth mechanics. Not that it's an outright stealth game. It's yeah, something you've played, I don't know right? if yeah. I would. I don't know if I would really classify that as stealth at 18 they have a game called volume which i'd never heard of before it's a 2015 game by the people who did thomas was alone which is a game i really enjoyed great narration driven game it's a top-down stealth game that like graphically looks similar to super hot um, again with heavy narration um, i added it to my wish list but it's almost impossible to find on steam because when you search volume on steam search uh it comes up with a bunch of games like oh you're interested in games that let you control volume here here's some games that let you control volume <laughs> every game here's here's literally every game it seems like when you whistle like they heard a whistle come from this exact point that's where i'm yeah. gonna go check out it's it's not like i'm gonna go check out that general direction or anything uh next game they have on there siphon filter was a ps1 game a franchise that has not received any love in a long time um it was very popular on ps1 though it just never reached quite the acclaim of metal gear solid at 14, they put Batman Arkham City. If Ooh. I had to pick one Batman game, yeah, that had good stealth mechanics in that. It really oh, did. Yeah. There was even like, there's like the, it's a famous thing that everyone talks about now, but the boss battle with um, Mr. Freeze. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how, right. Like, that, was, that was all stealth driven, yeah. Right. Like every single, and you couldn't use the same stealth move uh, twice. Twice, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. And I liked yeah. that game, too, because what they did to kind of solve the situation of, like, people being aware is they would they would kind of lock into areas. So in an area, if you started, like, catching people, then the guards, as if you were, like, they would get afraid. Like, they'd be terrified <laughs> going around the room. Yep. Like, and that didn't yeah, that was go a good away. Mechanic. You know what I mean? Like, they, the whole time, they'd be like, I know Batman's in the room. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> That was cool. I thought they, that was a smart way of um, of kind of handling it. On number 11, they have Deus Ex Human Revolution. I like Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yeah, Deus Ex was a great game. They put Assassin's Creed 2 on there. They note that most people agree the best Assassin's Creed game is Black Flag, but um, it's not exactly a stealth Obviously. game. The uh, Assassin's Creed 2 probably kind of refined it the best before things started going downhill. It's mm. kind of the general consensus. Thief Deadly Shadows, a 2004 game, made the list. 
Um, it was pretty well received. It was a bit of a departure from the previous two Thief games, but it stands out for having some of the best level design that people just rave about to like to a point where like, wow, I guess I need to play the game or at least watch a playthrough of it because like people have called the last level of the game one of the scariest scenes in video game history. Um, it's actually really? a, like a survival uh, horror level. Um, most of the oh, game is not that, but that thief? one is. Thief Deadly Shadows, yeah. Oh, it makes me yeah. really want to see that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really interesting. But the re- other reason I mention it is that it was developed by Ion Storm, which was John Romero's company that did Daikatana. I'm pretty sure that was the one done by another studio, not the one that he was at. And they also put next on their list Tenchu Wrath of Heaven, which I almost mentioned Tenchu as my my game with memories of uh, with memories of my favorite assassination game because I, I played the heck out of Tenchu 2. Number five, they have Ghost of Tsushima. Okay, so this was going to be another point for the stealth thing at the beginning of the episode was that, um, so you're you're a samurai, right? You're not uh, stealthy or an assassin by any means. And the first time you kill somebody, I think it's really cool. One, that you like feel incredibly guilty about it. Uh, about assassinating someone, like not killing them uh, from the front and letting them know that you're going to kill them. And uh, and it takes you a while. Like you stab them, I think, in like the chest and they're not dying and there's other people around. So then you stab them in the neck a couple times. You bring them to the ground. There's blood everywhere. It's a really gory scene. And you, you fall back on your back with the guy on top of you and you like pass out and you have a memory your uncle teaching you about being a samurai and being like a good person as you play the game anytime you unlock new assassin abilities you have those different flashbacks but also as you level up your i think it's called a tanto it's the shorter blade that they carry that they use for uh seppuku and for combat in narrow hallways or places when a katana won't work as you upgrade that your assassin your assassination animations become quicker and it's almost it felt to me like again going back to like the role play of skyrim it felt to me like it was like oh he's learning to be an assassin he's getting better at it and he's get your your kills are quieter and the animation is shorter like the first animation is like you stab him almost like three times and you can hear him like stick the knife in and separate uh the like tendons between the bones and stuff and then by the end of it it's just a almost like an a assassin's creed level quick you know but i thought that was uh, really interesting i yeah, think it nice played touch. well with the story of losing your honor and becoming an assassin number four they have hitman the 2016 reboot which is pretty good i don't know if i ever finished it but i enjoyed playing that one Number three, they have Dishonored 2. That sound of electricity makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> There's a oh, you ran right into in it. <laughs> Shh, Aside don't worry about <laughs> Number two on their list, they had to include a Splinter Cell game, Splinter Cell Chaos, which was the third entry in the series. Now, I don't speak German, Tom. Vorschicht <laughs> Lebensgefühl. <laughs> Should have been able to read that, man. It's got the little lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah, it could be anything. And number one on their list, any guesses what franchise made it to the top? Oh, um... Of the best stealth game... Well, uh, did we even say Metal Gear? We didn't, right? (laughs) No, it is Metal Gear, and they picked... Uh, Snake Eater, Metal Gear Solid 3, which uh, I played the hell out of the game. I very much enjoyed it. Watch three hours of cutscenes and get to play for a few minutes, you know? (sighs) My kind of game. That was four. Four was the (laughs) move. 
Yeah, four was mostly. Yeah, I remember playing four, and especially near the end of the game. <laughs> like, like, am I gonna get to play at some point? Or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the game, in the re- and when you'd play, it really would be like a ten-minute thing, and then yeah. like a twenty-minute cinematic. The article pointed out one little trivia that I had completely forgotten about. What is is great touch to the game? Do you remember in Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater the bat- the sniper battle with the end? Yeah. A super you old can- guy who has a parrot. Yeah. You don't even have to fight him. Oh, you, you knew about the him, trick. Yeah. Yeah, you can you let can, him die uh, of old age. Yeah, you can what? You can start the battle, save it, and either you wait a week or you just change your PlayStation's uh, system time. And when you come back, it just does a cutscene where uh, Snake sneaks up behind the end and just pushes him and he falls over and he had died of old age waiting for you yeah. to uh, do the battle. <laughs> you can, you can Great also... Great little touch. You can also uh, snipe him in the very beginning of the game when he's in uh, a wheelchair. Oh, really? Yeah, there's like a scene where they're like bringing him into the facility, and right. if you shoot him, you can kill him then, and there's no boss That's battle. That's funny. Yeah. Wow. That kind of reminds me Great of uh, Far Cry. Did something yeah. similar to that, where you can, he tells you to wait, and he'll be back in like 10 minutes, and that's when you're given right. a chance to get up and leave. And if you just sit and oh, wait, yeah, yeah. he comes back, yeah. he gets you off the island, you go home safe, and the game ends. And that's the end of it, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you wanted yeah. to, like, do something with, like, your... It was, like, some ashes or some sort of burial, and he's like, yeah, I'll bring you there. And, <laughs> yeah, while you're waiting, you hear, like, a commotion, and that's what kind of lures yeah. you out. But, yeah, if you stay... Um, and it, it is, it's a while. Too. Yeah, he just comes back, and then he's like, okay, you ready to go? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember seeing that ending on one of the most unsatisfying ending lists because we've done many games with unsatisfying endings. <laughs> I look at lists like that a lot. Really? That made a list for unsatisfying? Or maybe it was unsatisfying, more surprising, something like that. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, I think that's hilarious. Like, <laughs> such an interesting idea to think that, like... And I, I don't know, I think it's a... I don't know, it's kind of true to form of, like, the way you can circumvent all of this craziness just by making that one decision, you know? <laughs> I like how... You know, the way that AI is built in these games is there really is, like, whether you see it or not, there's, like, a cone of vision. And how, yeah. like, for us in real life, like, surely there is a cone in that, like, to the left and to the right, you know? But yeah. straight on. Nope. You <laughs> see. So, like, yep, no. I'm in the shadow, the so. Yeah. He All opened right. the door you where can't one, guy's, see me. one guy's back was to him, but it was like maybe like 15 feet in front of him. A guy was looking right at him, and the guy was like, too far away to see. Like, <laughs> so, Hunter, pro tip here if you look on your character where your health is, if you are glowing purple, that means you are in stealth mode. And someone can essentially step on you before they see you. So as long as you're in stealth mode and not moving, you are practically invisible. Although that rule doesn't always seem to apply perfectly. It it does most of the time. That's the the rules that the game has set forth for you. It just seems like sometimes (laughs) they are broken. All right. Well, let's talk about a different topic here. ARGs. Do you guys know what ARGs are? Are They use an ARG. Augmented reality game? That is one ARG. Uh, arg that would be like pokemon and that's right that is an augmented reality oh, game no. um, ah. assault rifle gun no frank was uh two-thirds right frank you can get a point for that um Woo. the uh the arg that i'm looking for wow they just saw <laughs> those people just saw you dragging their buddy 
I was helping him. He was sick. He didn't have a gas mask <laughs> he fell on. Over. Yeah, he took his gas mask off for some reason, so you were just helping him. What an idiot. <laughs> so they did an ARG to promote this game. In that context, it is an alternate reality game, which is kind of confusing. It doesn't very well capture what it is. So the best way to explain it, I think, is to explain the ARG that they did for Portal 2. So... On March 1st, 2010, Portal, the original game, had been released three years earlier in 2007. So three years later, on March 1st, Portal game was updated with a patch. And the patch had the description, changed radio transmission frequencies to comply with federal and state spectrum management regulations. And they had added an additional achievement called Transmission Received. Right, so they added 26 radios throughout the original Portal game all of a sudden. And players found out that when you move the radios around to a particular spot in each test chamber, the music coming out of them scrambled and it started playing like a Morse code and a light on the radio would change color. So what people figured out was that if you went into the game assets and took the sound file that they were using for each radio and loaded that sound file into what's called an SSTV software, that's a slow scan TV. It essentially takes the sound file and turns it into an image. And it revealed what? a series of images, 26 of them. There are four images in here that are sort of like a collage of four different images. And they have numbers in them that are circled. And when you look at all the numbers, you put them together, you come up with an MD5 hash code, which is an encrypted code. And How are people this smart? Am I, I know, really right? dumb? Like, <laughs> I, I be... love reading about this stuff. What they come up with was a series of numbers, 425-822-5251. Like the seri- it's, it looks like a phone number, but when you called it, it, nothing happened. But it was located in Kirkland, which is a Seattle suburb where Valve was founded. So people eventually realized, and I say eventually, but this took them like hours because so many people were on top of this. They realized it's what's called a BBS number, which is a bulletin board system. It's a very old school system where you direct dial using a modem and uh, you're presented with a login terminal and on here it says Aperture Laboratories GLaDOS version 3.11 copyright 1973 to 1977 which for heavy Portal lore people was the version number for GLaDOS and Portal 1 was 1.09 so all of a sudden her version number is updated. Two days later Portal was updated again with a patch note that says added valuable asset retrieval which expanded the game's original ending instead of fading to black Shell instead was dragged back into the facility by a party escort bot thanking her for assuming the party escort submission position (laughs) uh, which kind of paves the way for Portal 2. At that same time that they released that update they uh, when you logged in on that BBS that I mentioned before they changed it to a progress bar that was ticking along and it would say it would vary in time saying to completion kind of like a windows file transfer it would say that it'll be complete in like 2700 millennia or it'll be done at 15,354 bc or at the near heat death of the universe and all these other silly things so it was actually counting down to the announcement of portal 2 which happened on march 5th Um, and when they did release a statement a few of the letters in the announcement were underlined uh, there were a different set of username and logins. And when you use those username and logins on that BBS site, it showed some ASCII art, which displayed, and again, needed to be redecoded and revealed uh, an image that said co-op trial completed, which was the first teaser of a co-op mode in Portal 2, something that was a bit of a shock to me because I didn't know Portal 2 had a co-op mode. Did you, Tom? Oh, oh my God, it was so much fun. <laughs> All of that <laughs> just so you could call out. Tom. All of that just to get there, Tom. <laughs> Chris, we yeah. should have played. We should have played. Man. <laughs> it was so, it was so good. 
God. Anyway. Best co-op <laughs> I've ever done. So yeah, that's an example of an ARG. And I have one more ARG, which is a, a real favorite of mine. In Overwatch, in Anna, the healing sniper's video, in her hero introduction, a user discovered that when like during the video, there's a flash to white on screen during her narrative. Like if you paused it and looked at it, there was again a set of hexadecimal values. And when you translate it using what's called an XOR cipher with a constant of 23 for the 23rd Overwatch hero, you get the following message, but in Spanish, she who has the information has the power. And it ends with the letters SOMB. And oh, later for, in the for video, Samba. for Sombra. For the, later on, uh, in the vi same video, they discovered another set of hexadecimal values. Again, when translated, um, it starts with the letters R A. So when you put those together, Sombra, the twenty-third hero of the game. So of course, she's got a very hacky kind of introduction, and they put so much effort into this ARG. No more clues were found about this until a developer update for Anna. And at the end of the video, there was a screen of vertical barcodes, just for like one frame, and it revealed again people somehow found a way to decode it into another set of hexadecimal values which were converted into binary which I guess just had just enough digits to use that binary and turn it into a QR code which is that thing you scan with your phone and when you do scan it you get another message again in Spanish that says was that easy well now that I have your attention allow me to make things more difficult <laughs> the next clue was in the 2016 summer games in this is one of like the smallest details you could possibly imagine it there was a series of cardinal directions behind certain characters when they were in frame so it was like showing mercy and there was like the tiniest of, of like just a few pixels, there's an E. And with tracers in there, there's an NE. And when Zari is in there, there's an N. So people arranged it into a, like a three by three grid um, of each character occupying a space. And it turns out that was something that was later used. Tom, as you were saying, like, how are people this smart? Like when you are reading these things after the fact, it's really fascinating. But when you're watching them develop in real time, it's just complete chaos. All these wild theories going out there. What means what? And um, during a developer live stream, they asked Jeff Kaplan, the lead at Overwatch, about the compass, the three by three grid with the characters arranged. Yeah. And he laughed and he said, that sounds like some deep CIA level stuff way above our heads. So players took that statement and said, he's telling us to look above our heads. So they found this artifact in the sky that looked like some sort of codex. This is what the codex looks like. Um, I put it up on the Twitch stream right now. It's like the circle grid. I, th I think this like involvement in this peaked when someone took this shape and turned it into a song. I, I don't understand how, but they call it the sky code because that's what they, they called the, the shape of it. And uh, so there's a sky code song, which someone has on. And then another guy took it a step further and was saying that he was absolutely convinced it was real because if you go to this one part of the map, Dorado, you can hear something that sounds like it. Um, anyway, at some point, players realized there was an image of the Dorado map on the Overwatch website that had changed in what was called data moshed. So... Uh, what that means, it was concealing a hidden image inside the code. So if you take any image, like a picture of yourself, you can open it up and look at it as if it's text and it just looks like complete nonsense, right? But you can you can look at it that way. So if people compare the old map of, or old image of Dorado to this new image, you could look at the differences. And there were a bunch of characters that were changed from the letters into exclamation marks. And if you took all those letters and lined them up, it was another message, which is fucking oh wild to me. Oh my God. <laughs> so the message was, 
originally in Spanish, but it read, why were you looking at the sky? The answer isn't over your heads. It's behind you. Sometimes you need to analyze your previous achievements. So this message that they put in there addressed the sky code. They that these put people more just... effort into this than they did the game itself. <laughs> and I love Overwatch. Like, so you're saying yeah. they came like, up with another secret to help them in the search for the secret. Go along with the ARG, yeah. Yeah, so the had. whole thing with the sky code was a complete red herring. It had nothing to do with what they were supposed to look into. And that, it's not that they even put it in there. I think it was just like a glitch in the, the sky is is what they were so focused on. So, But that they released this this um, clue uh, to addressing it is I just love it. So players found that um, after that after that message that if you log onto the Overwatch website with your account, there's uh, an achievement one of the achievements in there has like a hex dump it's called in there and again you can translate it into damn not bad however i'm getting bored let's try something in the same direction and then a long string of characters that long string of characters is what was called a veneer cipher and they discovered to unlock it you had to put in a long code and that code was using the three by three grid with the characters before like red in a specific direction so tracer torion winston symmetra diva mercy like that was the cipher to break the code and that translated into an image which was another data image which was the first official reveal of sombra's logo which is like a, a ascii skull um that's sombra's logo anyway that's about that's literally just like a quarter of sombra's arg that they did as a build-up for her character it just kept going and going um you know what that reminds me of is on netflix there is a thing called uh don't fuck with cats yeah are you familiar with the movie yeah yeah yeah, it's like a docu-series like where it's because it's a true story it's a hundred percent true you're right like people when they like crowdsource like they're able like basically the internet can do some crazy stuff yeah they were able to like literally solve a real life murder and yeah. like uh, it's amazing the things that they do and like uh, i don't know it's just people are so incredible when they work together like that well look Out at all the it. uh like if you remember the boston bombing like they oh, had yeah they knew who it was yeah like, reddit went a little well, wild. they got it wrong yeah, yeah first, they got it wrong oh, yeah. first. <laughs> uh, and it didn't turn out that so, well for that we guy did for it reddit <laughs> Yeah, it did not. My favorite outcome for this ARG, the Sombra ARG, was that they added an emote for Sombra, which if you've played the game, you've probably seen before, but you don't know what it's referencing. So she she has an emote called Amused, where she pulls up this thing that I just put on stream, and she does her little wrist hacking thing and pulls up this symbol. And she just kind of stares at it and like does like a amused look. And it's the sky code. She pulls up the sky code that everyone was but, so focused on and meant absolutely nothing. And in the background, it plays a little it. song that sounds like the sky song. So they they like very much acknowledge it that uh, this the whole community went on this red herring goose chase. Wow, love it. <laughs> that is really cool and a, a real dedication to their you know I was gonna say followers but like, you know I mean like, the game itself the is pretty yeah. good too yeah, the community there you go. <laughs> it's, it's okay good. yeah <laughs> Overwatch the it's ARG okay. is top notch but <laughs> eh, Overwatch is okay alright so we finished the fuel depot you blew it up you escaped uh, by shotgunning your way out and now we're yeah. on our way to the next mission so now you're after the butcher he kind of looks like the so, guy so from far, the like, the story and the gameplay <laughs> is is pretty all right it's the uh the controls are a little wonky and you don't have a lot of maybe room to like explore stealth like the rooms seem very small to kill them in lots of different ways yeah i'm just like i gotta either like i i ended up in that last big room that i think i died on like 
10, 15 times, I just running in and killing them all, like right. you said. The reason that I bring up ARG is not just because they're neat. Uh, they did an ARG for <laughs> this game. They called it an interactive drama, and they started by sending censored letters, like letters with blackouts all over them, to uh, journalists and bloggers in the gaming industry. It looked like it was someone from Buenos Aires, and uh, some of the letters came with fake gold bars. Clues led the players to find a YouTube video and a website called Violet's Dream. The players were invited to an attend an event called Sure Risk Insurance Annual Trustees Meeting in London. It was a fictional company, but a real event with actors. And at the event, they were passed along notes to members of the audience forming more parts of the clues. The community online continued to grow and work on this puzzle. It prompted them with another video clue. And there were actually clues published in UK newspapers for over three weeks. And the clues actually led the people to locations in London and Texas to finding real gold bars. And I'm putting that wow. up on the stream right now because this you have to see the little gold bar that this woman is handling here has a stamped Imperial Eagle on it with the Nazi symbol. So they, <laughs> they sent people oh, out no. to Nazi get gold. actual Nazi gold. Now you have some Nazi <laughs> gold. At the very least, I'm curious Nazi about... Gold? Like when they like the marketing company was making this, like yeah. So take this gold. We got a gold bar here, and can you make up like a stamp of the Nazi Imperial Eagle and just yeah, put that bad boy on the bar? <laughs> uh, so yeah, why don't you just buy some of our old Nazi gold we have right here? And okay, I guess that's easier. <laughs> So it, it seems like only two bars were ever found, and I couldn't tell, but it, maybe there was an idea that there were more bars out there in this ARG. And maybe What's like the larger value? base, the value, their, uh, it, look, yeah. it looks pretty small, but a couple hundred dollars at least. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, more than that. Pretty, yeah, yeah so like pretty small for gold. Well, now, <laughs> in 2009, it might have been a little less. Uh, <laughs> not that much value, more. 2009. Wow, $1,000. Yeah. Wow. So maybe the larger base of people doing this ARG picked up like just on the ARG, and maybe they picked up this game thinking that there were more clues inside this game, Velvet Assassin, to find more actual gold bars. It is. It's kind of odd. This game is only 11 years old now, but there just isn't a ton of information about this ARG that they put together. The site that they used, Violet's Dream, is down, and there's only a few articles really detailing the ARG adventure. But huh. uh, yeah, interesting that they sent people on a quest to find real Nazi gold. <laughs> they also did a okay. digital graphic novel that was promoted. I think you got it at GameStop when you pre-ordered it. They teamed up with Peter Chung to produce a limited edition graphic novel based on the game. Peter Chung is also known for his work in Animatrix and creating the character Aeon Flux. Hmm. I did not look that up, but I'm sure it's out there if you want to find it. So, uh, now that we're this far into the game, which we probably won't get too much further, what do you guys think they were going for with the morphine mode? Well, I, I, I know I'm wrong, but I'm I'm sticking with my my explanation because I think it's I like I it. It's a it's a good answer. Yeah. I still think she just has a morphine addiction. <laughs> <laughs> so, from the game box, it reads while she is in a coma at the military hospital recovering from injury, the player plays through the memories of her former missions behind German enemy lines. When hidden, she is surrounded by a purple aura that fades when she moves into the light or is spotted by an enemy. A special variant of bullet time called morphine mode is explained as such that the real Violet is administered a dose of morphine by a nurse during those moments. Since the game takes place in a fantasy world of memories, the atmosphere and art style is purposely contrasted and moody. So, we are to believe that you, while reliving the memory, have control over when you take the morphine, 
which will enhance your ability in your memory. Or it's just very convenient. Right. <laughs> that in, your, in your memory I mean, during difficult spots. I feel yes. like dreams have that sort of effect at times where, like, if you fall out of bed, you're dreaming that you're falling. Right. You know and what yeah, I mean? Time is a very fluid thing in, in dreams, right? So, sure, sure. So your dream is, it's, like, setting up, like, oh, here, Chris. administer, administer. We're get like, we can feel the prick <laughs> in the arm. It's time to kill a Nazi really quickly. Do right. you still have the liquid dream problem, Chris? Um, I know. I don't have a liquid dream problem. <laughs> So, um, I did look up the relationship between <laughs> dreams and morphine, and there was a fairly complex study done uh, between analgesics, uh, morphines, and was on the list. It's actually topped the list, causing, as most causing dreams or nightmares. So, this game is scientifically accurate. So, shut <laughs> up about uh, the relationship between morphine and altering dreams. Real quick, there was an ARG. Uh, and I just did a quick little Google search because I remember like having this conversation about it like years ago. Oh yeah. And I'm like, was that was that real? There there was some ARG stuff for the Dark Knight. Oh really? Uh, yeah. There was like a bunch of websites and stuff, and you could decode. Mm. Um, and I could have sworn there was right. also like that. a location thing, too. I couldn't find anything about that, but there's there was just, like they made a shit ton of websites. Yeah. Uh, with all kinds of stuff on it, and then like people were working on it. There's like a breakdown. Uh, like I was, there's a wiki breakdown of like all the websites, and then there was like. Uh, you know, naturally, like non-affiliated websites that people did, you know, that kind of <laughs> misdirect. Yeah, and then That's there funny. was like potential ones they could have used, but then they didn't use. Like a lot of uh, digging around on the interweb. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bioshock Two also did uh, ARG. I know they they sent out a bunch of um, like bottles and and debris supposedly from Rapture that uh, a bunch of beaches. <laughs> yeah, trash. <laughs> they unloaded a bunch of promotional material from Bioshock 1 on beaches and called it an ARG for Bioshock 2. Yeah, they were just littering. <laughs> <laughs> Some things we may not have seen in the game here. There are two different pistols. Two whole, mm-hmm. two whole pistols, yeah. A shotgun, a flare gun, and the knife. And I think that's pretty much it for the, for the weapons in this game. Um, there's a different kill animation for there's a bunch of different kill animations for the stealth kills, and there's also a costume you can change into, uh, which is an SS officer. You saw her briefly in that loading screen wearing that outfit. There's a few environmental. I can't wear the negligee outfit. I think we should we should uh, (laughs) clarify she's doing it to blend in, not because she changes sides uh, halfway (laughs) through the war. Not because she starts. She's not a double agent. Don't worry. She's a triple agent. There's a Wikipedia page for that. There's a few known triple agents out there in World War II. I was going to say, I wonder what the most combination, like, the highest there's ever been. Like, has there ever been, At what point do you lose track? (laughs) Right, like, has there ever been, like, a quadruple agent? Where, like, At what point are you just, like, oh, I need to be this guy now. Now Now these ones are trying to kill me. No, I'm actually working for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, you keep track of this shit. (laughs) <laughs> a very convincing person. So, oh yeah, there are a couple environmental kills, such as exploding barrels. You can uh, light oil slicks on fire with your pistol because bullets make sparks, I guess, and uh, electrifying water. And that's kind of it for the environmental kills. You can pull people's masks off, as we saw as well, um, if you do a stealth kill in a gas area. And like we saw, there is technically an upgrade system. Did you take a gander at that, Hunter? You saw that you can upgrade Yeah. This. Yeah, yeah, it's not too robust. Not, like the stealth speed, mm-hmm. strength is I, just how many hits you can take, yep. and morphine is what was the duration? 
the duration of morphine exactly. I, yeah, I gotta be is. honest though, the game does not seem too bad though. It's just, it's, it's like really simplistic. There's not, you know, there's not a wide a range of, of ways to kill people. Hmm. You know, right. you have like two guns. The, the controls are, are not that great. And you end up having to spend most of your time like crouched like this and you go very slowly. Just waiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so for that reason, there, it doesn't seem the like there's to do. a lot of ways to like, like this room right here, right? Room. Like how many ways can you possibly get through there? There's probably like maybe Plus, two, this three. This guy hasn't yeah. moved. So there does appear to be a pretty in-depth backstory for this character, at least from the fandom wiki page for this game. Um, it's about how she was recruited and at the top of her class, how her lover was killed, and now she's off to wreak havoc with the Nazis. It must be from the manual or the original website because I've played through all of this game and have not have not experienced any, haven't seen any more of that story. We're going to watch a video on all the stealth kills in this game, so why don't you pull that up and press play. All their fancy animations here. A dot WMV, my favorite. <laughs> Yes, thank you, Endmover, for uploading a .wmv. Assembling this video in Windows Movie Maker. Ooh. Oh! Crotch stab? How come I didn't get to see a crotch stab? Yep. Ooh, Everyone the ear knows if you stab? get stabbed in the balls, you automatically die. Well, she stabbed him in the back, too. <laughs> well, also, yeah, but she didn't stab him anywhere he would really die, though. That's the funny part. Back of the head. Very nice. There's one here. At uh, she goes in. Oh, yeah. Achilles tendons freak me out, man. Ever yeah, since uh, Pet Cemetery. Ooh, yeah. Oh, or that, is that yep, the one you're that, talking that's about? That's where she goes in. Yep. Negligee. him thirty times or so. Um, oh. Let's review the plot here, uh, real quick. So it's revealed at the beginning that Violet's in a coma. She's narrating some previous missions that you are playing through, a la, I guess, Assassin's Creed. And I'm pretty sure one of the Hitmans did that as well. Starting with her getting into a fuel depot to blow up, which you completed, Hunter. You kill, the next mission is killing a super bad Nazi general in a cathedral. Then super bad. A super, super bad one. They call him the Butcher because he's so super bad. Then sabotaging some sub bases, there are fuel depots. Then dropping some markers on the subs before they leave so they can get um, hit by bombers. Then you get sent into the ghettos to find some of your own spies and your job is to eliminate them so that they don't divulge sensitive information and actually Wait, let what? me yes let me pull like up real quick people? why your are you worried about people. them divulging sensitive because they're going to be tortured and oh, so, you don't want them to so give you up can't save them you have so to you, kill yeah so i'm jumping through some of my gameplay on the stream right now I, I cut it up a little bit, so if you guys watch that stream, you can in just see... Windows Movie Maker. In Windows Movie Maker, I cut it up. So on the stream, you can see me walking through this guy's line of sight, but it's okay because I'm purple. Um, I'm going to make some very loud clanging noises as I climb over a chain link fence. Don't worry. I'm so still I feel purple. like I didn't have this experience because any time they were looking directly at me, it's hit or or do you just have to walk that slow. This guy has no peripheral vision, <laughs> climbing over a fence three feet in front of him. Yeah. So now you're on the mission to find. Uh, we're looking at some video of me going through the part where you're finding your fellow agents who have been captured. You can see this guy literally stepped on me. That's when he found me. Hmm. Now we're getting into the darker, darker parts of the game. Uh, well, you find out that one spy took his cyanide and died. You find one who is too, 
I guess the Im- Im- implied thing is he's too cowardly to take his cyanide, so you shoot him. Um, he was injured, to be fair. You take oh. a cyanide capsule and you take it to the third spy where you give it to him. Why not just shoot him? Cyanide, you know how awful that was of a death? Yeah, I guess. I mean, your lungs like explode pretty quickly with blood and you die Ugh. pretty quick, but as we've oh, seen in this okay. game, you can't pick up enemy weapons, so but, bullets but are rephrase. very limited. Yeah. Would you Couldn't rather shoot take the guy a cyanide pill or get <laughs> shot in the head? Fair. Or stabbed him. I All, all I know is that I, I think from... Like all your wanna, capillaries and throughout your body right. burst, like, and uh, right. that you got like, red splo- red splotches all over your skin. That's the telltale thing of cyanide. Right. Gotcha. Like, and I thought it wasn't immediate. Was the other thing like is that it's not it's like you do it pretty fast? I think. I, I, but I mean, like faster than a bullet. Okay. Well, okay, there's few <laughs> things that are faster than a bullet. <laughs> no, but I just Superman, mean that, like, Superman, <laughs> the Flash, you, the Flash. You, you feel like intense suffering and then you die. It's my, drowning in blood, point. sure, sure. Okay. okay, so as as you're doing these missions, you keep getting glimpses of the scene of you in the hospital bed randomly throughout, not just at the beginning and end. Um, you get these visions and people are talking over you and the conversation that they're having is that it seems like they saved you and they are now discussing what your fate should be. What Should they turn you over to the Nazis? Should they uh, kill you or should they save you and you can be part of their resistance? But they feel like the Nazis are coming and they have to make a decision. You're sort of like in this dreamlike state as you're experiencing or reliving these missions. Uh, labroots.com, you know, just in case, you know, anyone wants a reference. <laughs> um, although the cyanide pills were deemed a quick and painless death at the time, modern science now shows us this wasn't the case. Instead, Ooh. those who took them probably experienced a long and agonizing death. Cyanide <laughs> works by blocking a cell's ability to produce ATP, a source of energy used by your body to perform natural functions. When a person ingests a lethal dose of cyanide, the body's cells suddenly stop producing ATP. After this occurs, muscle cells don't get the energy they need, and the person experiences inconsistencies with muscle contraction and relaxation. Your lungs, diaphragm, and your heart are pure muscle. When they can no longer function, you won't be able to breathe, and cardiac arrest will ensue. The length of time it takes for a cyanide to kill a person ranges from around two to five minutes. And wow. during this time frame, they're fully conscious and experience every bit of the chemical's effects. Cyanide's, cyanide acts fast because its molecules are tiny, allowing it to spread through the body rapidly and efficiently. On the other hand, a conscious death lasting two to five minutes will feel like an eternity for the affected person. So cyanide wow. poisoning should probably be one of the last things on the world's list of preferred ways of dying. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How about that? So, but does it, how did they not know that you, they probably uh, just knew that you experienced like it? Does it? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, because like, it's so I, potent, right? Because it's such a small amount. They could put it, like hide it in a tooth, in a fake yeah. tooth, and then bite down I, on it and, and it would kill you. I think it was just like, it's guaranteed to kill you and it kills you fast as a relative term, like fast enough that they can't get information out of but you. But does it, but I mean, does it block your ability to like scream somehow? Cause I feel like if you're in that much pain and you're experiencing the, the it, movie version of it is that you're, uh, you're, you're your mouth foaming at the foams mouth, right? and you yeah. just like, Rrr. and there's no coming back from it. So here it right here like on the stream, just... I'd like to point out you're going through the ghetto and they don't pull any punches with how dark things get. There's dead kids on the ground. There's a few things, Dang scenes where you Jesus see, uh, oh, you see like some families hanging. Uh, yeah, thing, things are, no, there's some more people on the ground there, yeah. 
Yep, there's another dead kid. Just crawl through, there's a dead kid. They put it right in your face, you know? Wow. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, this does not feel like the the game to have realistic ghettos in. Yeah, so... Um, but it's probably the only one with it, right? I don't know. I'm sure there's some, been some other games that have done it as dark as this, but I, I don't know. Name them. So anyway... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this war of mine got pretty dark, but um, where they did the crawl over dead kids. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how many dead kids in the Holocaust there were. Rest in peace, Grandma and Grandpa. So this is. Uh, I'm in the SS uniform here. She does kind of like a cool walk. I, I got to say, like this scene right here, like her character, uh, her character, like design and aesthetic is like that's a cool female protagonist. They don't exploit like her sexuality except for one giant way <laughs> uh, aside from that i'm like all right aside from that aside from that i'm like you know she's just she's a badass assassin which we yeah, can talk I'd about a little bit that. more later so anyway you get sent on a mission to kill this uh, leader of this division who's again a super bad nazi and he's at this inn I don't say super bad Nazi like Nazis aren't bad. Nazis are super bad, but it's just when game goes out of its way like Nazis are bad, but this one Nazi, he's really bad. It's the so worst. Now, now we're worst going after Nazi. him. Guy, <laughs> even the other Nazis think he's like a little much. <laughs> like, all right, dude, come on. Like, we're just trying to win Reel this. Reel it You're like so what's, what's on the stream right now is you get up to this windmill and you have this shot at this barrel that explodes and you light the Nazi on fire. Boom, he explodes. The so super then you bad make Nazi. Your, the super bad Nazi. Uh, yeah. General uh, uh, what's his name? Com, I want to say K A M M. So you make your escape again with a shotgun, I think. And uh, as you're about it's to get into your car, General, you, oh, there, I lit Landa. someone on fire. General uh, Mordor, I believe it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So you make your way back to your car. As you're about to get in your car, you get shot by a sniper. Um, and these two gentlemen who you see in the flashback who are discussing your fate, they're the ones who saved you. So. That takes us to the end of the game. You wake up from the hospital bed to the sound of gunshots, um, and you make your way through town. The Nazis are making their way through town, killing civilians and stuff, and it turns out that they have rounded up all the civilians, the women, the children, the families in the local cathedral. They've set it afire, and you are fighting off waves of guys trying to get to the church. After you fight off a certain amount of waves, this is the cutscene at the end. I really don't think that they had uh, lingerie like that. It's a hospital gown, as they describe it. I continue to blunder yeah, I don't blindly, think so. <laughs> like an escaped madwoman. It's very low cut in the cleavage area. That's our boy, Calm, in the car. He found but he's us. He's supposed to be dead, right? Oh, my look, he's all burnt up. So, Calm, the gentleman. And that is the end of the game. <laughs> what? The end of the game is that you wake up from the coma, from the missions that you've been reliving. You are in your hospital gown. You race across Doped town to try and save morphine. the civilians in this last mission. Since you are no longer in a dream, you can no longer use morphine, which is, you know, accurate as to what morphine is supposed to be in this game. Yeah, otherwise you would just sort of like collapse in a in a... Stupor, right? If Says you. Use, <laughs> I mean, if you do yeah. enough morphine regularly. You can enter a dream state and murder maybe. people. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to Only say? Only one way to find out. <laughs> and uh, during the credit roll, it does show like these slow motion like pans across environment. And one of them is her standing in her 
hospital gown, I'm using quotation marks, and she's overlooking a German bomber that looks like crashed or something. So I don't know, dot, 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 Velvet Assassin 2, she's continuing her mission. But uh, was, that's that's was how Tom the game ends. bad enough or have... He was a Nazi enough, Tom. Like, no, no, no. I he mean, was a Nazi Tom. <laughs> hold up. <laughs> Did he have enough character to exist as the main antagonist for another game? Not really. He was introduced in that one mission that that you have to hunt him down and kill him, and he's super bad, and he breaks Geneva Convention laws, I guess, and you should blow up this barrel. And yeah, uh, from mission to mission, there isn't a whole lot tying this game together. It's just that there's this overarching plot of you're reliving these missions through dreams, and um, then you wake up to that final mission. So that's kind of that Hmm. but hey i'll tell you what um i mentioned this was based on the life of a real life spy violet zabo i was very excited unfortunately it didn't quite pan out but we know a a historian of our own steven who's been on our podcast before um he was going to come on and give us a little presentation about the life of violet zabo unfortunately he couldn't quite make it happen i only gave him two days notice to be fair but what he was able to do was send me start a part of a powerpoint presentation that i put together uh, or that he put together, and I finished it up. So let's uh, let's learn a little bit something about Violet Sabo here. Ooh, PowerPoint. So, so you can the watch. Only on. thing worse than the Holocaust. So you said PowerPoint, PowerPoint presentation. You said for us to get hyped about having a guest on, and now we don't. And have that, a guest. yeah, and now we don't. So yeah. he set the bar high. And went low, <laughs> unlike you, who set I the bar you. low you and stayed bar. low. You got to set the bar low, people. So, who was Violet Zabo? <clears throat> well, let's jump forward to Ravensbrück concentration camp in 1945. Three women who have thus far survived the horrors and inhumane conditions of Ravensbrück are being led by SS officers to a spot behind a crematorium. It is winter, and in the freezing cold, bites the women, two of which, who are too weak to stand, are forced to their knees. With the Russians quickly approaching and the Nazis attempting to rid themselves of incriminating evidence of war crimes, these three women of Britain's special operations executive, the SOE, are being read their death sentences huddled together and holding hands. Denise Block, Lillian Rolf, and Violet Zabo, who is the healthiest of the three. How did they get here? Well, four years previously, Violet Bushnell was working as a perfume girl in South London. She met and married Etienne Zabo, a charming 31-year-old officer with the French Foreign Legion. They married five weeks later. She was pregnant within the first two years, but before she gave birth, Etienne shipped off to North Africa, where General Erwin Rommel and his panzer divisions were on the move through the sands of Egypt. Zabo, the husband, was killed on October 1942 during the Second Battle of El Alamein, never to meet his daughter. After her husband's death, she began working at an aircraft factory. However, Violet became obsessed with finding a new way to help defeat Nazi Germany. As luck would have it, she ran into a recruiter from the Special Operations Executive, the SOE, and decided to volunteer. The SOE was created by Winston Churchill to send agents behind enemy lines for strategic purposes. With a new purpose, Violet was ready to take the fight to Hitler's Third Reich, and the stage was set for her debut as a British spy. By the way, at some point, the quality of this does drop off. Oh, these transitions are nice. Uh, the tra- quality of this drops off because Stephen was doing the presentation and then I took over. So I'm sure <laughs> he sourced all his material very well. The rest of it comes from Wikipedia. Anyway, Violet the Spy, <laughs> fluent in French and English. She was already a prime candidate for espionage in Nazi-occupied France. At 5.5, five, five, she was athletic and strong for her size. She grew up around guns and was already a crack shot. And under SOE training, she became a marksman. 
Reports described her as a persistent and physically tough self-willed girl and not easily rattled. Her first mission, in training, she badly sprained her ankle, and which delayed her first mission a few times, but on April 5th, 1944, she parachuted into German-occupied France near Cherbourg. Her and her team assessed the resistance network's viability after a recent wave of arrests had been made in the area. So they assessed their network and uh, realized it, it had been exposed beyond repair. So she was able to report local factories um, that were creating munitions and return them for targeting uh, on bomber runs to the Allies. On her second mission, after two false starts due to bad weather on the night of June 8th, she and three colleagues were dropped by parachute into a field near Sussex immediately after D-Day. She was sent in to operate with the resistance network providing recon to the Allies. It's possible here that she twisted her ankle again upon her landing. Due to poor existing organization and networks, they decided Sebo would be best served by organizing the resistance here, and they were unaware that the second SS Panzer Division was making their way through this area. Um, on her way to her mission, they were driving a Citroen, driven by a resistance section leader. They began their 62-mile journey. Sabo was armed with a Sten gun and eight magazines of ammo. On their way, they picked up another resistance member, Defour. On the way to their destination, they ran into an unexpected roadblock that was set up to interrogate civilians about the capture of Helmut Kampf, who was the second SS Panzer Battalion commander who had recently been captured. So the driver slowed the car, Defour opened fire, and Sabo ran the opposite way, hoping one of them could escape. Uh, as she was fleeing, armored cars joined the blockade, and Sabo crossed the road to join up with Defour as they fled. Crossing a field and a stream, Sabo again fell and severely twisted her ankle. She refused Defour's help and urged him to flee. She provided covering fire for 30 minutes and killed a corporal and possibly more. She ran out of ammo and was dragged up a hill where she was questioned. An officer congratulated her, placing a cigarette in her mouth. She spit it out and spat him in the face. There are, the, so far, the variety of these stories. The German documents record no casualties of this incident, um, but they probably wouldn't either, saying that, you know, a bunch of German uh, Nazis were gunned down uh, trying to capture this one woman. Um, and there's several versions of this story out there. It, it could be embellished or fabricated in some way, but several biographers of her do include it. Um, she was interrogated there for four days by the SS. She did not break, and then she was moved to Gestapo headquarters for interrogation and torture. By this point, they were able to identify, or, or they were able to figure out her true identity and activities as an SOE agent. So as the Allies pushed further into France, the Germans decided to send their most valuable prisoners to Germany. She was shackled for transport along with other uh, SOE wireless operator Denise Block and several other agents she knew during the train voyage. At some point, guards' attention was drawn to a, a way by an air raid that was happening, and she and Block got a bunch of water and meals to some caged male prisoners in the next carriage. And the rest of the 18-day trip offered no hygiene facilities, and the only food was indigestible bread crusts. Most of the women were sent to Ravensbrück, where over 92,000 women would die during the war. But throughout all this, she seemed to lift spirits of other prisoners and detainees and constantly planned escape. She and others at some point protested and refused to make munitions when that was one of the jobs. Uh, she did a variety of labor while in prison, from digging potatoes to felling trees and clearing rock-hard, icy ground for construction. Uh, at times, they were forced to stand for five hours at a time during roll call and received barely any food with many of them freezing to death. Six months into her capture, she and two other British agents were sent to staff block where they were possibly brutally assaulted and then to the punishment bunker where they were kept in solitary confinement. Zabo was killed in Execution Alley 
at Ravensbrook at age 23. Two other British spies, Denise Block and Lillian Rolfe, both of which had been uh, had to be carried on stretchers to the place where they were shot at the same time. According to the Germans, she was not protected by Geneva Convention as she was part of a resistance group and liable for summary execution. There is no conclusive proof that she was tortured or sexually assaulted by the Germans, but her principal biographer, Susan Ottaway, thinks it unlikely that uh, she wasn't. Gosh, she so, was so young. Yeah, 23. So, Some of her recognition, she was the... Second woman ever to be awarded the George Cross, bestowed on December 17th, 1946. She was also awarded the Croix de, uh, I'm pronouncing it wrong in French, Croix Avac Etoile de Bronze by the French government as one of the SOE agents who died for the liberation of France. Uh, her husband was also awarded the French Croix de Gre, uh, making them the most decorated married couple of World War II. Her awards are on display at the Imperial Museum in London. Uh, she has no known grave, although she has several memorials, including the place where she was captured, which is a rugby field. She has a memorial there. And uh, this is Tanya Sabot. Her, and uh, wow. she did, uh, she wrote a few books about um, her parents as well. And so this game is pretty much a scene for scene remake of her life, right? Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> Although uh, I don't think so. I think, it does feel like I think you had a couple more missions in the game than she did really. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> explains the ending a little bit more, right? Like that they maybe they felt like if it was based off of her and they said like and she won that it would kind of like right. that's not that's yeah. not her story. She stopped know? the Holocaust single handedly. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Right. No, like it would almost be I insulting mean, to do that. You know what I mean? To like make it be like oh and then nothing bad happened you know like right it, yeah it, and it was a happy ending message... we took, yeah we took berlin yeah right. um i mean they, they certainly in ways show the horrors of the holocaust of the ghetto um yeah the the likeness of her story to what this game had was pretty pretty different though so uh yeah honestly i mean i don't know i feel like it's uh maybe a little bit offensive that they invoke her name especially with the certain sexualizations that this game has but yeah so well, there's only the one just that one major anyway. one yeah throughout the game besides that <laughs> yeah no no yeah. no, 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 no. Really but i'm just saying like there is it is just no i agree show. aside from that and like the title screen where it's showing her laying in the same it's not a hospital gown on the bed mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, yeah. So, all right, guys, from the original pitch to what they produced, did they make the game that they promised? What do you think? Yeah, it was just bad. They made yeah. it, but they just like... <laughs> it's not polished this, enough. Yeah, it's there's no polish. They didn't put... I think, uh, I think a big thing with uh, stealth games, and I think you had it right when you were talking about Hitman, is level design is crucial. Level design and just like the ability to interact with things or at least to like affect the environment but all you get is a whistle right and the whistle, uh, yeah. i mean they say like there's a yeah, couple step environmental on, kills but man it's not a lot and there's not a lot i couldn't quite get a grasp on when an enemy would or would not see me right um so i couldn't like plan stuff enemies wait around for way too long like i've had to i had to listen to the same conversation like two or three times because well, I have to go this way, right. but I can't make it through this door. I just think that, like, they, I just, they didn't deliver any, like, wow factor stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like it was just kind of underwhelming, you know, sure. the whole time. I don't know if, mm-hmm. like, we played some games where I'm just like, wow, this is so broken or so bad that's, like, comical. And I didn't, I, I, like I said, I didn't play, but watching it, it just, it didn't feel 
like it was so broken or terrible or even even the sexualization part like I've seen it in other games where something happens where I'm like like a borderline uncomfortable this sure. I maybe I feel more uncomfortable when they kind of invoke her name now thinking about her and sure. this you know because she's you know her story is you know so so awful and like what she went through but before that like her being in like a nightgown like it's not, it's not that yeah. bad yeah i you think, know what I I mean? think like, we're able to it's like it's it's a video game we have a lot of leniency like like we think it's stupid but you know it's like it's a video game it's gonna do that like they they have these these marketing ploys, right. right, for teenage boys, and uh, we're just able right, to turn a blind right. eye to it most of the time. Yeah, so for the most part, I just feel like its biggest crime is that it's kind of just like, eh. Underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Which, is a, which is a crime. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. The greatest crime a game can commit is being boring, right? So. <laughs> I, I, I just think it was okay, you know? Yeah. It was just, uh, how many levels are there? There's only like a handful of levels, right? Actual like levels, like from mission to mission, like six, maybe seven. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a simple short game. Not a lot going on. Not a whole lot of diversity mm-hmm. in what you can do. A legit playthrough probably would last you maybe five hours. Five, I would think less. I mean, some parts is are it, like it, actually tricky, not because of like good level design and you're enjoying it, just because it's like, I have no idea how this enemy is going to respond. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. okay. mm. One more segment before we get to the reviews here. I hope you guys have gotten ready because this is where most of the points will come from for the Butterfly Knife. A little Ooh. segment we call Cliché Combat. <gasps> We're going to go round by round and name the clish clashes that this game employed. There is a TV Tropes page for this. So uh, we're going to do it as rapid fire as possible. Hit me with the cliches that this game uses, a brief explanation if necessary, and we'll just keep moving along. Thinks they're ready to jump on it. Me, 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 me. me okay, me. what you got, Frank? Big bad Nazi man. And what, oh, like there's a Nazi boss? Well, yeah, I mean, like, like, and he's like... He's the, the worst Nazi, the biggest, Nazi, the biggest yeah. and the, the baddest super of the Nazi. Nazis. All right, I yeah. like it. Yep. I'm gonna say the uh, I'm gonna say the okay. silhouette uh, health bar. How it's like a silhouette of your character. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's just our UI element. Sure. I'll say uh, uh, whistling to get attention. <laughs> yeah, Frank, what you got? So you can say uh, stealth kills in general. But yep, stealth kills. Yep. Nazis. Uh, <laughs> Nazis have Nazis in your game. Yep. If, I mean, it's a World War II game, but sure. <laughs> All right, Hunter. can I can I say overly gory and and like out of line stealth kills like the nut no, stabbing no, and that to the ground yeah. and brutal like that's not stealthy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like I'm just on this mission and I'm killing people. It's that I'm gonna stab this guy 32 times. Sure, I like a real a real flourish, assassin yeah. or a real <laughs> spy would probably not do that. I posit that Frank gets half a point with with Hunter's point there. Then, <laughs> why do you not want? I'm probably behind right now. He's just anti. He's just anti Hunter right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, just you're, I just think you're piggybacking off of Hunt, off of uh, Frank's uh, thing. That's all. All right, Frank. What do you have? I'm gonna say black leather outfit. Yeah, that- I'll take it. They have painted on plant pants as one of the thing here. Yeah, when she uh, yeah. when she it gets in like a more leather, I don't know, contemporary ensemble. Yeah, yeah, the first outfit she has is like a bomber jacket, and I think like the character design is great. I'm gonna say playing the game from your memories. Yes, Ooh, that is a good the one. framing device that they use. Yeah, that they're pl- you're playing out memories from a comatose Violet. I'm gonna say uh, it seems no matter how stealthy you do the mission, it's gonna end in chaos and <laughs> buildings blowing up and you escaping with bombs behind you. E- even through all stealthiness, there's at some point where you cannot play you just it as stealth run anymore with a shotgun and blast. Yeah, you, you break the stealth mode. Alternative 
history? I mean, like, you know, like based on a true story, but not sure. the full thing? Yep, yep. It's, yeah, one of the things they have here is very loosely based on a true story. So, I mean, okay. yeah, it's loosely inspired by, story. but I can I don't know much about World War II history, but I can say with confidence there's no spy who assassinated, like, hundreds of people without being caught like you do in this game. Are you sure, though? I guess you wouldn't know about it, would if you? If they were a really good spy. <laughs> you would never heard of them. <laughs> you might not know. All right, Tom, what do you think? I'm going to say if I had a nickel for every time I turned off a radio in a World War II game. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. I'm going to say friendly guards not realizing that their partner is dead or their friend is dead or (laughs) they know their friend is dead and they're just like, I really need to guard this barrel over here. Yep, yep. Just kind of the oblivious AI. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I think this is kind of becoming more of a cliche nowadays. Uh, Ending where uh, main character... Uh, dies and there's nothing you could do about it. Yes, the downer ending they call it. Yeah, you fail doing your thing, and it's like, well, that's life. It, it's bleak. So, but yep. did she fail? Well, she because failed like, saving I those mean, she people. She killed that guy. Okay. Sure. Yeah. She was horribly scarred him, but he's still mm-hmm. alive. I'm gonna say the the mutilated reemergence. I feel. Oh, uh, okay. with, sure. With your, with your villain coming back. Yeah, absolutely. All, all totally than ever. Uh, yep. The other one of the games that immediately comes to my mind is another German killing game, <laughs> Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Yeah, where uh, sure. the I think I think that happens more than once. But the blonde lady in it very early on in one of the games, you like almost like seemingly rip her head off, and then like she survives. <laughs> she's back, <laughs> and she has got like crazy scars along her like mouth and face. Like she's all like jacked up. It's kind of cool. I'll go with the uh, cyanide capsules. Oh, that is a like specifically it. one on their website. Yep, cyanide yeah. cap pills. Yeah. Yep, got something for us, Frank. I I it's would okay say because there there was a shotgun, right? Yes, I didn't miss that. Yeah, so like a loud a loud gun in a stealth game. Oh, I, I maybe that was my last oh, you one. Get, you get, that was your last one. You got nothing else. All right, yeah, I got none. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with our our nickname for the villain, the butcher. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I feel like there's that's one kind of in Diablo. <laughs> there's yeah, one in Diablo. Say, one. I, gu- <laughs> I guarantee you'll find that villain name pop up. Everywhere. There's a yeah. whole book with the butcher as uh, a Diablo book with the butcher as the main enemy. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Neat. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm going with the the bathroom stall respite. Uh, the uh, the costume change in the bathroom, yeah. That's right. Hunter, you got something else? No, I don't. I don't. He All came right. up with that too quickly. <laughs> well, some of my other favorite ones we have here on the list. Well, if there's a bullet time, they employ it in a weird way of using morphine. But uh, yeah, there's a bullet oh, time in this true. game. There's oh, crates you push around to explore the level. Dressing as the enemy, you kind of touched on, Tom. Enemy chatter uh, is a thing you can overhear and listen in on. Apparently, sometimes it's like uh, arguing over a candy bar, which is very lighthearted. Other times it's talking about being an unrepentant genocide enthusiast. Um, <laughs> oh, what about a gas mask level? Yes, they're gas mask mooks, they call it. I'm going to use that one. In the, <laughs> okay, I'll give you the other <laughs> half of your point for that. <laughs> Thank you. Um <laughs> excessive evil eyeshadow, which is actually worn by our heroine, undoubtedly due to the uh, artistic roots of the femme fatale old Due to her stories. addiction to heroin. It's due to her addiction to That's why her <laughs> eyes are blacked out. Yeah. yeah. So I like their description here that about the femme fatale spy trope. So they say that it's actually averted in that Violet never uses her considerable feminine wiles on her missions, preferring to instead do a direct method of stabbing Nazis through the skull. 
Even the uh, dim-witted guards in this game can't be fooled into thinking that a well-armed British woman snuck onto their turf just to look for a good time. Like, at no point do you, like, seduce anyone because I'm a female, you know? So yeah. they don't, you know? She- Side note, is there a trope for guns floating on your back? <laughs> no, they don't list one, although they do list the unusable enemy equipment, which we commented oh, on earlier. Oh, like, yeah, we did you, talk about it a lot. The, the missions later on when you wake up from the hospital bed, you, you go through and kill maybe 20 Nazis that are shooting at you, but you're unable to pick up a weapon. She just says, like, I have to find a weapon at any cost. I'm like, well, I just killed a dude with a shotgun. Pick it up. But, but right. you can't. <laughs> um, Not that one. It's icky. <laughs> yeah, it's got blood on it. Yeah. There's one thing I wanted to read from Kotaku. So Kotaku said the things that they loved and hated about it. One of the things they said they loved was implicit feminism in character design. Violet Summers might not be a real woman, but her character model could pass for one. In addition to her realistically proportioned hips and bust she also has muscles in her upper back that a woman would really develop from stabbing things over and over again (laughs) and aside from the dominatrix look she gets from donning the ss uniform in submissions which i'm wearing on the stream right now summers is relatively undersexed by modern video game standards which makes it easier to take the game seriously I just have a hard time for them writing that without acknowledging the elephant in the room of the morphine kills, but also the fact that I don't know this. In addition to her realistically proportioned hips and the the way bust. that it was described <laughs> was definitely by like a uh, uh, like weeb talking yeah. like oh yeah this is not this is, what this a is not a sexual like, game this is like a real woman. The Metacritic score for this game, which is an aggregate of critic reviews from 0 to 100. Any guesses, everyone? Why don't you go ahead and message those to me so we don't cheat? Ah. Tom says 59. Frank says 40. Hunter says 45. That's a pretty high score, Tom. But I'll tell you what. Uh, the score is 61, so congratulations, oh, Tom. I just I just don't think I, it's how I feel about it from before. It was like, it's not that bad a game. It's not that bad. Dang. All right, so guys, if you can employ your best uh, snobby critic review voices to do these uh, reviews that I'm sending your way, and I'll, I'll, I'll do one to, to start off here. <clears throat> my here we go okay game informer and gives it a 53 as velvet assassin's story unfolds a realization begins to dawn events have nothing to tie them together there we go there's our first review from game informer uh, like, tom like what do you voice. have over there i like your voice <laughs> it's the new yorker voice oh pizza giver uk 35 of the pressing and shoddy misfire of a World War II sneak em up. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Hunter. Absolute Games, 50. Forget about clever puzzles and social stealth. Instead of presenting various solutions to a problem, Velvet Assassin will beat you on the head with a stick and point to an X on the map. <laughs> and Frank. This one is from Gamer.nl, which is a Netherlands uh, domain. Uh, Velvet Assassin, in one word, weak. <laughs> the story never reaches its full potential. And furthermore, the technical side is flooded with flaws. And even though the game has its moments of tension, the game fails horribly in being worth your money. 
Try to sneak past this one if you can. (laughs) (laughs) So, is this game someone else's treasure? It holds a 6.2 for a user score on Metacritic and a mixed on Steam with 1,300 positive reviews and 800 negative reviews. Whoever's ready, Tom, do you want to start? A typical stealth game, it plays exactly like Splinter Cell, minus the gadgets and the smooth gameplay. The game mechanics are very frustrating, the AI is annoying, and the level design rarely offers an alternative way to tackle a situation. So you end up having to wait forever for guards to look elsewhere to turn around. Positive review from Zeta, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's him liking it. Uh, Hunter, what you got over there? Alright, hold on. I'm trying to get my, uh... I absolutely love it. I played this literally 92 times in my time because it's just perfect. Just picture yourself in her shoes, but imagine real life. Are you really going to hold a tiny silence gun to get past everyone to an exit, risking the fact that if that one bullet don't blow up the tanks? No, I'd use a shotgun to blast the hell out of everything and haul ass while the building is collapsing. Another thing you need in the game is super patience. You need to be 110% smart to survive. This game will not interest you until you learn to completely immerse yourself. This isn't meant to be Call of Duty Blast Everyone. It's strictly smart, sneak, get to the target general, and get the hell out. You're not meant to shoot anyone. You're meant to attempt to use your stealth with a knife at all costs. Hide in the dark until your image is blue in the screen. The Nazi can and will, at random and unexpected, spot you and whoop your ass. Starlight. (laughs) Very well done. Appreciate the enthusiasm you you brought to that. That was good. Uh, Frank, what do you have over there? Okay, this one is from uh, Forbidden World Mel. First, I have to say that I am, like this game, from Germany. So please be lenient. I just wanted to write this because I wanted to tell you that this is the first... W- I, I'm fucking up this. Uh, you gotta commit, man. I wanted yeah. to tell you. This is the first World War game I know where the Germans can actually speak German <laughs> and don't say things like Du hast es tot blieben sollen, which means you should have stayed dead. <laughs> or Da geht zu tours al hotel. Which means there goes to the female every hour hotel, which isn't even a sentence. <laughs> like in, for example, Call of Duty. Here they are talking in complete sentences, which sounds really great <laughs> since they have got actual German voice actors. Uh, for example, Sasha Dreger, who has been in the German versions of uh, BFB. Battlefield C2. Bad Company, too. Oh, Battlefield Bad Company, too. <laughs> uh, Preston Marlowe. And the Guild Wars 1 and 2 male player, Logan Thackeray, and more. Yeah, so some a German player complimenting the authentic German voice acting they have in this. And that makes sense, right? Because it's a German company, and they probably made sure that the German was correct. Tom, you have one over there, right? Okay, this is from Yanfried. She's hot AF. <laughs> That's the whole review. Thank you. <laughs> Frank, I sent you one more there. From Unabridged Gamer, do you miss classic Splinter Cell and Hitman? This might be your bag then. If you can look past some gaps in polish and some wonky AI. Oh, actually, and we have an update for that one. This is the update he added to it, Frank. Update. That said, Heart, 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 heart. Actually, the, the, heart, the hearts, are, hearts are blanking out a word he said. 
Oh, oh, that's it. <laughs> Fuck the last three levels of the Rusty Spatula in the deepest reaches of hell where only the most damned souls can shriek in eternal torment. Just stop as soon as you reach the comm mission and pretend it never existed. It's best that way. All right, so that's all of our Someone Else's Treasure reviews. Fun fact I forgot to mention. Uh, there's something missing from this game that it's a that it's a game about Nazis. There is not a single swastika in this game. Huh. You know, it was really dark. I couldn't tell. <laughs> but now that you say that, I'm like, oh yeah. It's, uh, because well, the game it, was made it, in Germany, and, yeah, and they they can't use swasticas. So yeah, it's illegal. All right. So enough about other people's scores, though. It's time we gave this game a score it deserves using our Garbage Valley score system. So our system is a little bit unique here. Anyone can rate a game on a 0 to 10 scale. That leaves little appreciation for games that are so terrible they're enjoyable. So you've got your masterpieces like Sniper Elite Zombie Mode or something. I don't know. A good game. And as <laughs> games get worse, they get closer to zero. But we keep Ghost going. Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, a, a stealth game. There you go. Uh, tons of Liberty, Metal Gear Solid. Um, as games get worse, they go to zero, but we keep going past zero all the way up to all the way down or up to negative 10. Once it gets into the negatives, it's reflecting that it's getting more enjoyable again. A negative 10 would give you just as much enjoyment as a positive 10. And we're searching for that negative 10 game. So, and a zero is a game that's a complete waste of your time. So guys on the scale, where do you think this game falls? I give it. A five. A positive five. All right. Pretty much what I, what I said before to avoid redundancy. I just think that like it it just was meh. It doesn't go into the the negatives because it's not bad because it's you know like bad. It's bad because yeah. it just doesn't fully hit what it's supposed to hit. Sure. All right. And uh, Hunter, what do you think? I'm stuck between giving it a three and a four. I kind of okay. want to give it a four. I think uh, of of the unpolished games that we've played, this is the most polished, and I think it would deserve like a five or even, I guess it gets about a six from most because you said like sixty percent. So I'm mm-hmm. liking that to a six, but I think the yeah, controls 6.2 really Metacritic, yeah. really take away, and maybe that's just because I was playing it keyboard and mouse. But I think the controls are a little wonky, and I can't imagine they're much better. They're with not a much controller. better. Yeah, they're not much so, better with the controller. Yeah, I'll just I'll say three point five for that fact, and and like I said, unpolished, uh, and it delivered like the bare minimum of what it said it was going to do. Sure, it took like a Splinter Cell structure still, and stripped away a bunch of features. Yeah, and that's what it's we like, have. oh yeah, we got a stealth game, but like you, you can't really do much else other than walk up and kill people and sure. whistle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Frank, how about you? I'm thinking. Okay. And I've been thinking about this for, you know, most of the time. Three and a half hours. <laughs> and how much was it? It's only like two bucks, right? <laughs> right it now takes... it is $1.99, I believe. I'm, st- I'm going to have to go four. Four, all right. I'm going to go four. Yeah, that's fair. I was thinking of five or six, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to go four. Stick with your gut. Yeah, and myself, I, I'm going to give it a four. Things in this game were that were bad weren't enjoyable you know it, it didn't push it into the negatives that's why it would go negative but overall it just lacks polish and depth the first mission there were barely more mechanics than there were in the last mission 
Um, actually less, I guess, because you lost the morphine ability, right? In the last mission. It's just I, very run of the mill. There's nothing that makes yeah. it like yeah, it's just blase. a fun, bad game. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't have done it for the podcast if not for the morphine mode, because when that hit me, I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's bullet time, but you, you go into lingerie, apparently. Yeah, so... Yeah, once you remove that that single like weird aspect, um, you just end up with a very very mediocre Splinter Cell game, right? So um, I thought I genuinely thought, aside from some mild exploitation, that the female lead was very cool in this game, and I thought her character design was good, and she was a likable. Well, uh, she was not likable. I thought she was a cool character to have in the game. What her strange flaw was that she seemed like a complete sociopath that you guys didn't get to hear a lot of the voiceover, but like she's just reacting very coldly and like she's a dead robot who's on a Nazi killing mission, which is cool, but they didn't really flesh that out enough to to really like make Mm. it a character that you could like. Otherwise, it was just kind of like her design aesthetic. (laughs) So, gosh, uh, you know, Tom wasn't a strong lead and Hunter really, really did an excellent effort with his review reading um, that, that really stood out to me. So I, I'm just going to do a tiebreaker real quick. Frank, you were a little bit behind. I'm sorry. How fast do you think the any percent speed run of this game is? Ooh. Like how how quickly they were able to beat the game? Yeah. So I guess just how quickly you get to no the No matter end of the what, game. like abusing I, glitches like you or don't not have collecting to, anything. Yeah. Can I yeah. ask one question? Okay. Is it like fair or are they doing like world breaking? Do they use glitches? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, so yeah, just watch on the stream real fast. I want to show you something. So I've, I've been practicing a little and, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, there you go. All right. So that's first mission in a minute 18. The, uh, the speed run record for that first mission is 52 (laughs) seconds. What do you guys think? Oh my God. What's the speed run of this game? So you can finish the game in like, in like five minutes. Eight minutes. Eight minutes. (laughs) The time is 19 minutes. It is a little Uh, bit longer than that. So Hunter, congratulations. You get the butterfly knife. Sweet. The not real one. So not real butterfly knife. Just to be clear. Just to be clear. Plastic. 3D plastic ballet song. Congratulations! You you had the lead, and uh, just he he pulled it out in the end with uh, with a with a very enthusiastic review reading. So congratulations! My heart is still racing from that. (laughs) That was it was a really good review reading. All right, well yeah, that's our game for this evening, Velvet Assassin. Thank you so much for everyone who stuck around. Really appreciate you guys. Yeah, and make sure to follow us on Twitch to see next time we're streaming something. Tom and I play some good games sometimes. Maybe we'll play uh, Baldur's Gate and maybe some Remnant at some point now that I'm done with this oh, episode. Yeah. Let me know when. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for it now that I've, I've done doing hours and hours, 14 pages of research for this game in a PowerPoint presentation, you know? <laughs> oh, it's 16. <laughs> it ended up being 16 pages. Wow. And All much right. like in high school, I fell asleep during the PowerPoint <laughs> During the PowerPoint presentation. presentation. <laughs> ah, okay. yeah, uh, While well, I was I getting th- all passionate about it. <laughs> it's funny It's funny you say that because um, I was convinced that you were going to challenge us with a game to... Oh, to quiz you on notes? I should have. So I, I oh, studied man. the hell out of it. Like, while you were going through, I was like, every detail, every detail. <laughs> 
names in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. copyright fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Garbage Game Night makes no claims to ownership over any games played and has no affiliation with any developer or publishing company. For additional references on cited articles and quotes, check our episode-related blog at garbagegamenight.com. Or if you have a comment about the game we reviewed or have a suggestion, drop us a line.